From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. Well, let's just face it. I think everyone's big challenge is how to get clients and also how to know what they want. What do I offer? How do I come up with a high value offering? Well, it's a little bit complex, but I'm going to simplify it for everybody for this purpose. And simply just ask. Go to your contacts, your network, people you really trust, old colleagues, old bosses, and ask them, what is your biggest challenge right now? Keep it open-ended, not what's your biggest challenge with branding right now, if you're a branding person, but just what's your biggest challenge right now? If you could wave your magic wand, what would you do differently? What would your company look like in the next six months? What's your vision for this department? Ask these open-ended questions. And if you do that six to 10 times with six to 10 different people, you're going to start connecting the dots of what they really, really need right now, urgently. And that will help you decide what it is that you're going to offer that's of super high value and super high urgency. Today on episode 72 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Erin Halper. Through trial and error, Erin learned the critical steps she needed to build a successful and rewarding consulting business. She now leads a collective that helps other consultants thrive. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Erin Halper. Erin is the founder and CEO of The Upside, a collective that helps consultants advance their business and thrive. Since launching The Upside in 2017, Erin has advised more than 1,000 professionals on how to redefine the nine-to-five and build a respected consultancy practice that affords them the freedom of working when, where, and how they want. Prior to launching The Upside, Erin built a seven-year independent consulting career providing marketing expertise to her private investment clients. Erin, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So Erin, you went from corporate employee to independent consultant, and then you started The Upside. Can you describe a little bit about why you started your independent consultancy and then why you went into The Upside? Sure. Well, I started consulting pretty early in my career, actually. I was only about 30 years old at the time. And I started consulting because, quite frankly, I wanted more flexibility and freedom and control of my schedule. I really just didn't know any different, and I didn't know not to do it. I thought, well, this is a great solution. I'll just go out on my own and do what I want, when I want, make a nice income. And I had just gotten married, so my husband and I wanted to travel the world before we had kids, and you know, I wanted to be able to work from anywhere. But a year later, we were pregnant with my first son, who is perfectly healthy, nine years old right now. And we found out at 20 weeks along that he had a problem and he was going to require you know, a ton of surgeries and lot, obviously lots of doctor's appointments. So what started as a want quickly turned into a need. And I was extremely grateful that I'd already laid the foundation for a successful consulting business. Then fast forward seven years later, seven years of consulting with a lot of the same clients over and over again. 
I decided I wanted to help other people achieve that as well because I had so much flexibility and so much freedom how to control my schedule. And unfortunately, I was surrounded by a lot of professionals, mostly women, who were dropping out of the workforce, not because they wanted to stay home with their kids, but because they really just felt like there was just no place for them anymore in the corporate world. They felt like they had to choose between working full-time or not working at all. And they were willing to just give it all up. That's how stretched thin they were. That's how at the end of the rope they were. And I said to them, no, you can consult. It's the best of both worlds. You get to keep your corporate pedigree and everything you've built up and you get to work whenever you want on your terms. And they said, well, how do I do that? And that's how the upside started. Let's talk a little bit about what happens in a corporate that forces people, unfortunately, mostly women, to feel squeezed out. David, I have so many stories, and I will not name the names of the companies or the people, but these are just crazy stories that do not get told often enough. You know, I read different magazines and different articles about top companies for women to work for. And I'm reading these articles, I'm looking at these company names, and I'm like, But I just had five people come from that exact company and tell me, for example, that they asked to work from home one day a week, work from home, not take a day off. They asked to work from home one day a week, and that company told them that they would have to take a 75% pay cut. They're still working five days, mind you, Mm -hmm. but that you know, I'm like, is that even legal? I had another person come from one of those same companies on one of those same lists of best companies to work for. And it was a big bank, a global bank. And she said, well, you know, I asked for some flexibility in my hours and they said no. And I said, well, I happen to know that in their handbook, they have it written that you can have certain flexible hours and that they're very friendly to parents. And she's like, yeah. And there's another little like, footnote that says it's up to the manager to decide. And unfortunately, my manager said no, and there's nothing I can do about that. And I just kept hearing these stories over and over and over again. And these people were like, I cannot keep doing this. I cannot work like this anymore. It's unsustainable and it's unnecessary. That was the other part that is this combination of trying to juggle it all, being stretched too thin, and then on the flip side of it just being illogical. Someone who's, you know, 35, 38 years old can do their job typically in a fraction of the time that it would have taken them 10 years ago. They're like, why, why do I need to be physically in the office for 50 hours a week? It just, it doesn't make sense. Right. So one of the things I think you're pointing to is that employees are paid based on input and consultants are paid based on output. So like as an employee, you know, depending upon the flexibility of the company, you're expected to be present working a certain number of hours per week, which is input. And as a consultant, most clients couldn't care less how, when, or where you produce the results as long as you produce the results that they're paying for. That's exactly right. And that's why it's such an appealing business model for so many people, including me. That's exactly what I wanted. I knew even at 30, I was so efficient and really good at what I did. And I was like, I just want to get paid for my work. I want to get paid for my results. And 
I don't want to have to sit here for 50 hours a week at a desk when and be penalized for being really good at what I do. In the corporate world, you're penalized for being efficient. You're penalized for providing big results. In, in consulting, you're rewarded. So how do some of these differences play out when somebody makes the shift from corporate to consulting? How do these differences in, in attitude and the way people work, um, how do they play out in the consultant's ability to be successful as a consultant? Well, first and foremost, there is a big, big shift in how you think about yourself and your worth. You have to position yourself and really believe it as well, because it is true that the company is lucky to have you. That's a really big mindset shift that it sometimes takes people a long time to really believe that, not just say it, but to truly believe that because we've been conditioned our whole careers to be grateful and appreciative of the opportunity, that there's a line of people out the door that want our job, that you're replaceable. Well, when you're your own boss, it's a completely different mindset. The company is lucky to have you because you're so good at what you do and you provide big results and you're the expert. They're lucky to have you. You have your pick of clients. It's different when you're a full-time job. And when I say you have your pick of clients, of course, that's something that builds over time, but it's the mindset of, no, I'm not grateful for the opportunity. I'm not interviewing to be your consultant. I'm I'm telling you that this is the result that I can get you and do you want it or not? Yeah, this is a very different mindset. Yeah, I don't think going into a full-time job interview, I don't think that that would really work the same way. I, I still think people should have more of that attitude when they're interviewing for jobs. But the fact of the matter is, is corporate wants, they don't want you to think that way or feel that way. Can you imagine if as a culture, all of us felt that way going into job interviews and all of us negotiated hard and all of us felt that we were super valuable and we knew our worth and we were ready to negotiate highest rates possible, high, I mean, highest um, salaries possible. Can you imagine if all of us were like that as a culture? Companies would, would they, they don't want that. They want you to feel like you're lucky to be there. They want you to be sweating in that seat. They want you to be insecure because it benefits them. Right. Well, this might be a subject for total, like a, a whole new podcast episode because <laughs> there are companies, um, they're generally quite small, that are built around not employment, but um, consulting relationships. Absolutely. And, and by the way, of course, smaller companies have the freedom and flexibility of a totally different type of corporate culture. I'm talking about bigger companies. I'm talking about Fortune 500s. You know, I'm talking about publicly traded companies. I'm not referring to companies with 50 employees, even 100 employees. Those companies have the freedom to really create very meaningful and value-based corporate cultures. But I think once these companies become really, really big, thousands of people, uh, that's where I see the ball drop big time. And that's where that's where a lot of people have come to me mm -hmm. over the years. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm connecting the data points. I'm seeing where all these people are coming from. And they're coming from the big companies. I don't have a lot of people coming from smaller companies. Okay. That makes sense to me. Is it Aaron? So mindset is a big issue. 
what are some of the the biggest challenges that people face besides mindset? And let's talk about that. Let's talk about the challenges first that you see. I think a lot of the challenge, I mean, if you asked any consultant, if I say to consultants, tell me what your biggest challenge is, 99 times out of 100, they're going to say getting clients. But getting clients is not just a linear kind of one answer challenge. It's very, very complex how you get clients. It's very layered how you get clients. It's not just one thing, do this, do that. It's a multi-layer strategy that starts with, first of all, how you're defining what you're offering. You know, what is it that you offer and for whom? You know, define who your target audience is, who do you work for, and what do you do for them? A lot of people don't have that clearly defined, at least not enough. And they confuse people when people say, what do you do? And their answer doesn't really tell me what they do. It's not very straightforward. That's one, that's one way not to get clients. And then the other thing is how you position yourself. So let's just take LinkedIn, for example. LinkedIn is the new resume. It is the best place to showcase your success, your work, your results. And a lot of people don't maximize it. Or if they do, they're maximizing it as an employee. Everything's about, everything they say is attaching themselves to a company and valuing themselves based on companies they've worked for, not based on the results they've provided or the expertise that they offer. So that's part of the mindset too, is positioning yourself, positioning yourself as a business owner, as someone that has something valuable to offer as a leader, as an expert, not former director of XYZ at Pfizer. That's a big mistake. So besides positioning, besides crafting your high value offering, it's also who you know. It's also how do you activate and leverage the network that you've spent decades building. That's how you get clients is activating your existing network. That doesn't mean sending mass emails and saying, hey, I'm open for business. Absolutely not. It should be more about planting seeds that then blossom into really great clients one day. It should be about genuinely connecting with people and then only at the end, letting them know what you're up to now. It should not be about selling. The people who go out and consulting and have their selling hat on do not do as well as the people who go out there with patience and plant seeds that then grow into clients. Yeah. Can you share a story around that? Because I know this is an area that a lot of people have difficulty with. I mean, I'll share my own story. You know, this this was when I was first starting out and Truth be told, when I first went out into consulting, I was like, oh, I want to you know, work with, with hospitality clients and I want to work with beauty companies and I want to work with... I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have anyone to mentor me. I didn't have an accelerator program or a collective to join. Not back then. I had no guidance. So I was just throwing things at the wall to see what stuck and it did not serve me very well at all. I had clients that didn't value what I offered. I had clients that were flaky and didn't know what they wanted. And only when I started leveraging my own network, which by the way, was in the private investment space because that was my background. 
was private equity, hedge funds, funds of funds, venture capital. And the reason why I wanted to get away from that industry was not because I didn't like it. I just was not focused. I didn't have good advice given to me. When I went back to that industry, when I went back to that network, I simply met with my old bosses first. And I said, hey, I just, what are you guys up to? What are you working on? What's your biggest challenge right now? And then when they said, what are you working on? I said, well, I actually went out on my own. I'm consulting now. And if you know of anyone that would need these types of services, please let me know. And they said, when can we hire you back? And those ended up being my first clients. All my old bosses were my first clients. Then I started dipping into that second tier, calling old colleagues, calling, you know, even old interns. Funny enough, you know, yesterday's intern is now 35 years old. <laughs> you know, my my old interns are are now decision makers, you know, calling those people and saying, you know, where are you working now? What have you been up to? It's just planting seeds, it's developing relationships and a lot of those relationships turned into clients, not because I sold them on anything I did, but because they were excited to have me back, but back in a way that was scaled to what they needed, where I could dip in, dip out as they needed. They were excited to have me back. And that's why, you know, there's that old saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I could not agree more. It's all about who you know. Who do you have relationships with? Who would be excited to have you back? And by the way, a lot of times people say, oh, I don't know, my old boss, I didn't really get along with him. Uh," And you'd be surprised how many old bosses want you back, even if you didn't really think you had such a great relationship. Yeah, particularly for people that have left their corporate job because of a termination. And it's actually a lot more frequent than people realize that there are terminations that have nothing to do with performance or very little to do with performance. And especially for high achieving professionals that have been in their positions for a long time, they may really dream of becoming a consultant and doing their own thing and having more control over their their lives. Yet they have a very negative connotation with their last employer. And so they're reluctant to tap into the relationships with people in that company. Well, you know what I say? You have nothing to lose. You already aren't there, so you can't get fired. What do you have to lose? What are you scared of? You know, what? what's the worst thing that'll happen? They'll say, no, thank you. You know, it's not as scary as a lot of people think it's going to be. Absolutely. Aaron. what do you think are some of the keys to getting your consultancy up and running and making a sufficient amount of money as quickly as possible. Because one of the biggest fears that people have going from employment to running their own business is not only the change in income level, but the perceived inconsistency in income. So you, you know, if you're earning a good salary and you're getting paid on a consistent basis, which is what's what salary is all about, you go out on your own. And even if you're able to get good clients, your income can be, can fluctuate pretty widely. What, what advice do you have for high achievers that are trying to build a consulting business that is going to provide for their needs and in a way that makes them feel comfortable about the income? Well, for people who are super risk averse and who truly need to have 
super consistent income. I always say then you need what I call a foundation client. You need a client who keeps you on retainer where you are essentially an extension of their team and you're on retainer or you're paid hourly, but you have a minimum that you meet every single month. And it's almost like you're part of their team. So you'll have to have an offering that makes sense for a company like that. And it will probably be one of your former employers. Even if it was someone from 20 years ago, it's probably going to be one of your former bosses or colleagues bringing you in for something like that. That's the way you, like right out of the gate, get that consistent income. It's a foundation client that keeps you on over and over again, where there's really no end in the contract. It's not a project with a start and a finish. And then you build from there and you layer on top of that. And then you can layer some more high value, high impact, big money projects on top of that. But for those people who are super, super risk averse, you got to go with that foundation client. You have to find that person. That makes sense. So Aaron, earlier you mentioned that when you started out, you didn't have guidance and you you did a lot of trial and error to figure out what would work for you as a consultant. Now you're running the upside. What are some of the things that you provide that that does provide guidance to people that are either just starting out as a consultant or they've been a consultant, they're trying to really leverage what they've created and make it even better? Well, first and foremost, I try to give away as much free advice as I can. So if you went to our website, which is bettheupside.com, if you go to the website, we have two free downloads just right there on the homepage. One of them is teaching you how to plant those seeds and grow those clients with your existing network. And another one is how to write this amazing power bio that opens tons of doors. It's helping you position yourself from a place of power. So I try to give away as much free advice as possible. As far as what we offer to help people, we have two main offerings. One is our accelerator, which only happens twice a year. And it is a step-by-step action plan that walks you through exactly what to do from start to finish, kind of like boot camp style, how to launch and build a successful consultancy. And it is not like a dumbed down simple thing. It's not advice you've heard before. It's everything I've ever advised in my one-on-ones over the past three, four years, everything it's in one program. And then we also have our collective, our membership. And that has about 150 or so best-in-class consultants spanning all industries, all functions. And You're expanding your network with people who have the same business model as you, who are there to lift each other up, help each other out. We have programming and networking designed specifically to help people double or triple their income, help them network and get clients, referrals. It's an unbelievable group of people. And I I still don't think I do it justice because people get in there and tell me that it exceeded their expectations and that I'm not doing a good enough job selling it. But it is sort of this magical unicorn of a of a consultancy collective that is very, very helpful to hundreds of people. And Aaron, for somebody who may want to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or get in touch with you or... Um... Learn more about these two programs, the Accelerator and the membership. Where is the best place for them to go again? It's be the upside.com, which is B E 
theupside.com. That's our website and everything we do is on there, including a lot of free downloads and free advice. Sounds great. Well, Erin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo and share your experiences and your insights. My guest today has been the CEO of The Upside, Erin Halper. Thank you again, Erin, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to lead a thriving consulting business and much more. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a late career job loss. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.